Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. We were thinking about doing something different, and uh, what we and I actually haven't even said this to Bobby yet, but you know we're going to do, like I said, in the next few months, as as it permits, we're going to do these third Sundays where we're going to do these couple services, basically where we're going to interview a couple. Like we said today, it's going to be the magnificent Kenny and the marvelous Bianca, but just to talk about their lives a bit, how they met, this, that, and the other, how, how you know, Kenny slowed down while Bianca was chasing him, those kind of things. But we want, we believe it's going to help other people here, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you aren't married anymore, whatever it is, we want people to just hear from others because I think God's going to bring health to us as we do this. So we're going to do this this third Sunday. The next Sunday in October, we're not going to do it because Julie and I will be away still. And then we'll do it in November. And then we won't do it in December because it'll be too near Christmas. We'll start back in January. But there's a few couples here that have said they wouldn't mind, you know, coming up here and enduring Rod Anderson and the sweetness of Julie, but the strangeness of Rod. Anyhow. So with no further ado, would you please welcome Mr. and Mrs. Kenny Timewell. Hi, Kenny. Hi, Rose. Hi, Hi Bianca. Hi. Hi, Leora. Hi. Um, anyhow, so we're just going to chat for, for a bit, and we're going to talk. We've got a, some questions that we're going to ask just to help us get started here. But the first question I've got, uh, Bianca asked me to ask you. Kenny, wh- where were you last Friday night at midnight? <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Um, oh, yeah, let's pray first. That's a good point, Julia. Yeah. Let's pray. <laughs> Okay, Father, help us to know where Kenny was last Friday at midnight. No, okay. Father, we do give you thanks in the name of Jesus. We really do. Just for a peaceable time and a happy time and an informing time, Father. As we consider what it means to have this incredible relationship called marriage. Hallelujah. So we give you thanks. We thank you for peace upon Kenny and upon B, upon all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Babe, why don't you go ahead? Ladies first. Oh, let me look at the questions. Let me look at this question. Okay, what would you say the greatest blessing, I'll ask B first, of being married is? Um, I would say the, none of the greatest, but one of the greatest blessings of being married is the simple one of just doing life together Um to live in your moments with somebody that loves you and you love them and you prefer them, you really want the best for them and they want the best for you. Doing all those moments with that person is a real blessing. Building building family, building um, a future, dreaming and seeing those dreams come to life together is amazing as well. Um, growing and iron sharpening iron bit and all, all that good stuff. But just the fruit of all those moments is a blessing. I have a scripture God put on my heart this morning, but let's hear from Kenny. What's the greatest blessing for um, you? <clears throat> yeah, really good question. I think um, the fact that you get to 
you get to do life with someone else, but also you, you get to, you don't have to take decisions on your own. You know, we've got big decisions um, to make. And the fact that I get to become a more whole person. I mean, the guy that I was before was, you know, pretty amazing. I'm just, just kidding. Um, yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, you know, I mean, for sure, I mean, since meeting B, there, I know the decisions, decisions that I would have taken before, or things that I've done before, that I just would not be now. For the better. But, you know, um, because when I do things now, I've got often B's kind of constructive and wise voice in my head saying, actually, babe, you probably don't want to do that. In my head, you know, and, and it's great. So I, <laughs> it's a positive thing. Um, so yeah, just the, the fact that you don't have to um, do, t- take decisions on your own and you get that wisdom of the other person, um, I think it's a blessing. What happened, Kenny? Because, you know, we counseled a lot before you guys got married, to say the least, and when you'd come and see me. A lot. Uh, we, a, lot. a lot. We counseled a lot, that's true. But when Kenny used to come and see me by himself before it actually became a deal, I was going to say, you know, like many, many men in particular, you had a real fear of committing to anything, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. How do you think you came up with the bravery or the courage? What made you say, you know what, I'm going to drop the anchor? <laughs> um, yeah, so we did. We did. I went to see Rod quite a few times, and I think you know, for any guy in here, you know, that's just what you need to be doing. You know, if you're uh, if you're interested in someone, um, getting that wise counsel and advice. I saw Rod a number of times, um, and you know, truth be told, we we broke up a, a quite a few times, as you know. Um, we got to a point where Rod was like, "Do you know what? Stop here." Do you know, Rod just put a, a pause to it all, um, and it was a blessing, you know, um, to have someone be able to do that and look at us. I think what did it for me, long story short, was I was vacillating back and forth. I just wasn't sure. Um, there was something in me that. Hello. Hey. So yeah, there was there was something in me that knew that. Bianca was really special, but I couldn't really process it, and I was trying to process it up here, and it just wasn't making sense. So I remember uh, I was a best man at a friend's wedding, um, and I just never forget, it was back in, I think it was August 2000, and I guess 2009, um, and I remember seeing him up at the front, and I thought to myself, that should be me, you know? That should be me up there. And the scripture that came to me was... You don't mean with that other woman, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just, right I'm just, I'm just checking. Right I'm just checking. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 definitely. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I should have known better. I mean, so, um, but, and I think, and there were all little things that happened along the way. You know, I was in a car with some friends, and some friends had known that we had broken up for a little bit, and they were sort of saying, well, we've got this other girl that you might be interested in. And, no, for real, honestly, they were, they were, <laughs> Bianca knows about this. Um, and but, but one thing that I know for sure is that there was a light that just wouldn't go out. There was a light for B. It was it was just always there, no matter what I tried to do. Um, and so anyway, I saw this wedding, and I thought to myself, the scripture that came to me was with the, um, the Ethiopian eunuch who um, gets some water and says uh, something to say, "What's what's stopping me from getting baptized?" And that's what I asked myself. You know, what is stopping me from from getting married? And it was just my own stuff. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was quite a process to get there. I mean, it really is, isn't it? Because men in particular, I think, go through a lot of struggle because they, if the truth be known, some men always think, well, what if, I mean, seriously, I've had people say this to me in counseling, you know, well, but what if somebody better comes along? 
And the moment they said that, I'll never forget these two guys in particular said that to me. And the moment they said that, I said, dude, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> Just forget it. I said, get out of my office. You're not ready to marry anybody. Yeah. Whatsoever. If that's your attitude, you have no comprehension of what the love of God is, much less human love is whatsoever. Amen. Amen. Jules? Well, I just wanted to read you the scripture, because I think it's very appropriate. It's in Philippians. It's probably familiar to both of you and to all of us who've been down this road. But Philippians 1.27 in the Amplified, it says, Only be sure as citizens, so to conduct yourselves, that your manner of life will be worthy of the good news, the gospel of Christ, So that whether I come, I do come, and I see you, or am absent, I may hear this of you, that you are standing firm in united spirit and purpose, striving side by side and contending with a single mind for the faith of the glad tidings of the gospel. And then it goes on and says, Do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries, for such constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, proof and seal to them of their impending destruction. But it's sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation, and that from God. And there's something about when you get an agreement, this is the woman I'm going to marry, something just changes, doesn't it? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, just like Deji was saying earlier about when, he, when they stepped into that commitment, or at least stepping into making that decision, every single thing changed for me. Every single doubt that I had, for the most part, uh, changed and became aligned. When I made that decision to say, do you know what? I am going to take Bianca as my wife. I'm, I'm going to propose to her. As soon as I made that decision, I think you agree, everything became easier. Um, yeah. yeah, I would say um, it, there was a marked difference. Um, you, was, you had decided that come what may, whatever issues, whatever, um, whatever things we're going to face between us and in front of us, I'm just going to do it yeah. with we're going to do it together and I the difference was like day and night Mm. literally like from that moment I felt it and I knew it whereas before I could just tell when he was going to back out I could just see it I could just see see backing out starting to happen but from that moment on I knew it was different so yeah that's cool what do you what do you think is the major way or what are you doing to as it were keep Christ at the center of your marriage what things have you discovered that will work for you if you know what I mean I think we're still working it out um, for us worship is a, a, a real access point so making time to worship together we don't really have to make time worship just happens mm-hmm. in our house um, um, making routines to pray together is something we're still working on we pray regularly as a family but we don't have like we pray every day at this time we tried or we tried it we tried it we're still working on that but we pray um, regularly um but for me the atmosphere of our home is important so um just what's coming in through the tv um i'm just 
um, now that we have children, it's way more important um, sure. as well. So um, just worship in our house, um, what's coming in through the telly and the devices. What about you? Yeah, I, I, when I was a teacher, we had this thing called Drop Everything and Read, D-A-R. And, um, and I just, we tried to do this thing of Drop Everything and Pray or Drop Everything and Praise. Cool. And just, you're in the kitchen or you're in the living room and just stop what you're doing and just pray. Stop what you're doing and just praise. And it's something we're trying to do a little bit more, be a bit more intentional around. Um, but I, I found that as far as Christ being the center of our lives, I think in terms of decisions, big decisions we've had to take, like me leaving my job, um, just like many of you here, I mean, obviously there are lots of people who have been married for, you know, far longer than us who know this very well. But, you know, big decisions like a job is something that we prayed quite a lot about. Um, and one thing that Rod often said that always stays with us uh, in that thing of kind of prayer and decisions is, uh, you know, the paths of God, all the paths of God are, are peace, or full of peace. And we've tried to kind of be aware of where the peace lies for each one of us when we're making a decision. Um, and so that in terms of Christ being at the centre, um, kind of praying through decisions yeah. and praying through um, things like that. And also, um, sorry, no. um, for, I've realised that it's important what I do as an individual, um, my life with God, my relationship, my connection, my communion, that affects us like totally. Um, so that is for me, most important thing, even when I'm really busy and I, I don't really get as much time to connect, I feel, we feel the effects of that. And I know that God is, um, he's gentle with those who, he leads yeah. us gently when we have young, young children and he's gracious, but I'm aware that I need to try and make time, even if it's, you know, a minute every, every hour and I'm just turning to God when I'm washing up and I'm just, doing those not having a set time but it's throughout the day or i do have a set time just turning to him regularly it affects us it affects the patience i have with the girls or just the love i have um for kenny and the respect and building him up and making him feel amazing just have more of more of that stuff you know when i'm connected amen yeah that's really good one of the things I noticed about a year into our marriage is I'd been a single parent for about eight years, seven or eight years. So I'd had to do a lot of things myself that a man would normally do. So you become, you know, intelligent, capable, efficient. You can do it. So we had kind of two heads in the house. So the I thought, ice woman comes, intelligent, <laughs> capable, efficient. That's from a, um, a message this um, lady that Julie knew years ago, she had this message called the ice, behold the ice woman cometh. Uh, women are that work all the time and have to be independent like Julie had been for so long, how they have to be absolutely, you know, intelligent, capable, efficient. They get rewarded for that and they come home to a husband now and they kind of have to turn off and become mm. Now you go ahead, you're a good storyteller. <laughs> so I had to learn that when I first got married, I thought, oh, well, he'll take care of everything. You know, he'll be Prince Charming and he'll take care of everything and we'll be in agreement. But I found there were some areas of my life that I was way ahead down the road and he hadn't even begun to look there. But I was leaning on him for my strength and I was depending upon him. And one day the Lord said to me, there are some areas that he's way down the road and you're not. bringing." I'm bringing you together. <laughs> but the point I want to make is that the Lord said to me, 
don't lean on him, lean on me. So some of you are depending on, when I get a husband, everything will be all right. No, it won't. When you get your life right with God, and you're totally dependent on the Holy Spirit leading you, guiding you, helping you in your thought life, helping you in your integrity level, helping you walk into the future with the strength of the Holy Spirit, then it'll be all right. That's very true. I mean, uh, we want to do this with them, but it is so true. With all the counseling you and I have ever done with the people, it's, it's so... Uh, it's so true, so many single people still think that marriage will complete them, and it simply doesn't. You know, you, it's not 50-50, it's 100% to 100%. And this is why, and it's tough for people to hear, because we understand the pressures that are under, on, that single people feel. Believe it or not, I was single once. Yes, even me, with being this handsome, I was... <laughs> oh, watch it. No, but the, the thing is, it's, it's, it's difficult because of the desire. But this is the thing, you, you know, all we can do is, off, you know, like anybody that's in ministry, all you can do is offer people God's word, what it says. But just like Julie said, wholeness has to come from Christ first. You know, and really, when you go into a relationship, you don't go in thinking about what they can do for you. So if you have that attitude, you're already sunk. You've, you're setting yourself up for years of disappointment. And confusion. The idea is true love always says, what can I do to make this person feel more complete? What can I do to actually make her feel more unique? What can I do to make her feel more fulfilled? You know, just the, those, these thoughts. And, and it is something, it does become, I mean, this is why the love of God is still the most powerful message on planet Earth. Because when God's looking for us to actually become selfless, in other words, where you really begin to understand it really isn't about me. It's my life, my relationship with Christ is all about hopefully bearing enough fruit in my life that other people are able to eat from my life. In other words, I have something to offer them. I'm not looking for something that they can offer me. And it sounds very simple, but that's part of the... You know, part of the crux of what it mean, means to actually find a situation where you're whole. You go into a situation, there's two different people. I mean, they have different experiences in their past. They have different reasons that things have happened in their life. So, uh, so just one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys, it may be simple because I think you were brought up, but I was going to say, have, have you, like, actually shared with each other how you came to Christ? I mean, do you know really Kenny's story, and do you really know B's story? How much of B's story do you know? Um, we did at the beginning, I think. Uh, it, was a little, it was like a little while ago now. Um, so, yeah, I think we shared quite a bit, and I think it was quite similar in that we both, I mean, yeah, we both kind of grew up in, we both grew up in church, we were born into church, and I think, um, for me anyway, I, I had to make a decision or not had to make a decision. I obviously got to make a decision. But it was, um, yeah, I, I grew up in a ch- church family. We'd often, my friends were all going to this church. We'd often walk to church together. We didn't have enough money to get in a basket. It was kind of, I grew up around lots of people, young people at that time, who were really passionate about having a relationship with God. Uh, but I, I think for me, if you're asking kind of how it, how it happened, I think for me it was probably around the age of kind of 17, 18, as I began to worship and do a bit more singing, um, where I found that actually this is real, where it became real to me. So I guess unlike others who can think of a specific date and time when they gave their life, for me it was a progressive thing 
and progressive realization where I, where I came to that place of God, you're real and I want to serve you. I want to know you. Um, so yeah. Yeah, my, my story is pretty much um, the same. It's similar. I grew up in church and I've always spoken to God. Me, me and the Lord always communicate in my heart. We've always, he talks to me, I talk to him. We have that kind of connection that's always been that way. And yeah, in my mid-teens, I, I just I just gave my heart. I went to Maurice Cirillo convention thing and um i was just like yes this is it this is it for me and you know as a teenager a lot of different things happened but it was always that connection was always so strong and it just progressively became stronger and stronger yeah okay i'm just gonna ask out of curiosity i mean i know this much about life that every single one of us go through some kind of trauma uh, in our lives, some far more desperate than maybe others, but <clears throat> do you feel that you've been able to like really share with Kenny about places that in the past, for whatever reason, uh, the relationship that really, really mm. possibly could have damaged you and what you needed healing from and, yeah, and Kenny I, with you yeah. as well? Yeah, we've had to because I had a really tra- traumatic upbringing. I grew up in a violent home um, uh, it's just such stories, but yeah, we've had to because my my history has been my childhood was really difficult. So I grew up in a violent home. I, I went to like five schools. So we lived in battered homes for women. We um, so there's a lot, and then my relationship with my mother has been quite difficult. So we've had to work through a lot as a married couple, and then me as a mum, we've we've had to um, yeah work through a lot of the stuff that's happened with me as a from in my childhood so it's been more me actually um in terms of my my stuff we've had well, to the women are normally the craziest indeed um so <laughs> yeah we've had to talk for a lot we've really had to work for a lot of that together yeah because i think where we've i mean to be real you know where we where we've come across come against like obstacles and difficulties often so much of that you know, can be traced back to when we were younger, and it was similar for me. I saw I'd grown up in a family of seven, six brothers, so seven boys, um, and my mum, for the most part, you know, doing it on her Superwoman, own. Superwoman. Yeah. Um, can you imagine a woman with seven boys running around the and, house? And and one and twins, like Kenny's a twin as well. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, apart from the fact that you know, she had to be very disciplined, of course. You know, I mean, seven, you know, big dudes or whatever. Um, so anyway, but what 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 kind of I found was that as we were doing life together, um, we were kind of reliving a lot of the way we'd been brought up, yeah. you know, and that was kind of coming to the fore. So we had to kind of dig into, you know, how did your mum raise you up? You know, how did your mum raise you? And what were some of the things? And um, so, for example, you know, I am try to be clean and tidy, but I'm not the best um, confession. <laughs> I can't. It's so um, hard to believe about Kenny, isn't it? When you when you look at his hair, yeah, most, he's, any guys going to support me here? Maybe? No? 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 Amen, brother. I'll give you an amen right there. Thanks. Um, so, but but that, but again, Bianca can speak to that. But again, so, but for me, I I, I grew up, and you know, my mum did a lot of things around the house, and you know, we we cleaned where we were told to clean. Um, but as far as just you know, taking responsibility. Are, are you saying that B doesn't clean the house? Or? No, far from it. <laughs> far from it. Just so, but we, yeah, we both have shared um, our upbringings and kind of what's happened. And I think um, you know, I'm okay to say that our home was dysfunctional in a sense. It wasn't. It didn't work out the way it was supposed to work sure. out. You know, 
Um, and as a result of that, um, I grew up with um, certain kind of insecurities that came out in marriage. Uh, and uh, I think it came out quite early. Probably. Are there any that you could share? I mean, I don't want yeah, you to yeah, do anything yeah, crazy. I think, um, I think one of them was this thing of kind of not, kind of wanting freedom. And I grew up, because my mum, you know, I guess had, I mean, she did amazing on her own, of course, but I guess because she, um, she was so busy and had to work, they were kind of, we were quite tightly managed, let's just say that. You sure. know, it was running a tight ship. Um, so, so I grew up kind of wanting to break out of that in a way, you know, wanting freedom. And I don't like being micromanaged. I don't like being, feeling like I'm being bossed around. And so I'd never do that. Oh, of course, way. Bianca never does that at all. At all. <laughs> just to add that in there. Um, and yeah, so suggestions, just, you know, yeah. maybe this might be a better way to do it. Maybe. Hey, you know what I heard? I heard that nagging is just saying the right thing at the wrong time. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. Um, that's a really good one. <laughs> that's a really good one. Um, so yeah, so um, so I think I, I had to. So what came out of that was the whole respect thing, mm. which has been a, I guess, is a huge thing for maybe a lot of guys. Oh, yeah. This whole thing of men wanting to be respected more than they want to be loved, if you can make a separation sure. between the two, and that kind of thing came up quite big yeah, for me. Um, it's just the ego issue. It's an ego, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely ego, um, because you know there were things that Bianca is more than um, kind of well positioned to say. You know, and if she can't say it, who can? And so there were times where Bianca would say something and I'd slowly, slowly learning to physically, I mean physically bite your tongue. I mean, you have to kind of feel the pain to kind of just shock you. Literally. Amen, brother. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, yeah. All the men on Yeah. All the married men, though. And the rest of you are cowards. <laughs> just physically. I put this thing on Facebook, which I've seen was this. You know, you've heard the story about, you know, if a tree falls in a forest and no one hears it, you know, does it make sound? And it's just this whole thing of if a guy speaks his mind in a forest and a woman doesn't hear him, is he still wrong? And I yes. feel like, yeah. and Rod said yes. And and in a sense, you, you, there's just this thing of I, I have I've had to learn quite quickly um, that it's not kind of about me being right all the time. It's not about me being the boss, and that often involves me just having to kind of bite my tongue and say. Yes, wife, that's what you want me to do. Um, because we grow up, you know, we grow up in this, <laughs> we grow up in this culture of... He's never said yes, wife. Yes, wife. This is what we, yes, you're right. We but, must do this. But it is, it is really real because He we, will. Amen. If, it's all being recorded. It's all being recorded. Yeah, yes, yes. But if, if we're really honest in terms of in the church, especially men, we grow up in this thing where we, we interpret, I think it's Ephesians or one of the scriptures where it talks about the guy being the head of the home and head of the wife. And I think uh, Rod, Rod uses it. He really knows the one. Well, I, I had to. I had to really do a lot of thinking around that and, and think about how I was living that out. Because I think at the beginning in our marriage, um, that was a real challenge, and I think I was trying to almost kind of force that on me in a lot of ways. Um, and I had to really pause and think. Well, what does that actually mean? What does it actually mean to be the head of the home? You know, does it mean that every decision stops with me? Does it mean that? Um, I get the chance or I'm the one that's going to say, no, babe, you can't do that. Or I have to lead on everything. There's loads of things that Bianca is more skilled, competent, intelligent on leading on that I don't need to lead on. And it's kind of eating that humble pie and saying, 
you may, whatever you think about being headed home, actually, walking in love means that you can let Bianca lead and it's okay for her to lead yeah. on something, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, it's good, yes. Amen. Amen. Um, but in that, I've, I have had to actually learn to pick my moments when to say things. I remember early on when we were married and, you know, I, just to say, you know, I grew up in a house that was quite, um, it was kind of like an army. You know, there were five of us. If there's a white speck on a white carpet, my mum would see it. You know, everything was in its place. Everything was clean. You couldn't make a mess. So you couldn't play and then tidy up. You just couldn't actually so make house a mess. The cleanest house I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like a hospital. Um, so that's the way. So coming together, that was our biggest challenge. It's the house. And it seems like a small thing, but it's, it's still our thing. But we're much better at it. So I had to... So in the beginning, I would just be like, but babes, what about... How could you just leave that? And I've just tidied that and you've messed it and messed it up and it'd just be thing after thing after thing after thing. And then one day Kenny was like, you need to leave like a week between the thing you said here and the next thing that you want to say. Like a week. So, <laughs> that is so true for me. Uh, I know my dirty clothes are there. You've told me, I'll take care of it. It may be next week, but I'll take care of it. Right, Kitty? Yeah. It's all that. So I, and I would wait. Not by the front door. Not by the front door. Well, now we've got to the point where um, Bianca puts it on. We've got a, a whiteboard in the kitchen and it's kind of a, the list, list. Gets, it gets added to. Uh, and it works because Bianca... That's the way you like. You like lists. You say, just write it on the board. Just don't say. Just write it on the board. <laughs> no, you can say it. But, no, she can say it. But it's like, often there are quite a few things that need to be done. And um, yeah. yeah. So there's a long list that I continually work through. It's not long. It's not long. I feel your pain, brother. I feel your pain. No... But back to my point, I have had to just let a lot of things go because we're more important than the house. And it's taken me a long time to get... It took me a long time to... to the first year and a half or so, it was really difficult. But I had to then... I just... I still want to... I still want him to like me. I still want... I still want to like him. Um, you know, I still want our kids to see us loving each other in 20 years time and all of those things. So I had to scale it back. I'm still working on it, but I had to scale it back and prioritize, um, that so that we're cool. But, um, well, I forgot my first point, but that is the thrust of it anyway, that I had to just. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. My, my, mother and father got divorced after 47 years and it made no sense to me and I remember I was about 18 years old and I dragged their hands together in our living room and they wouldn't touch each other I was like that is so anal what are you doing that for just communicate and I remember going into prayer and I didn't know much about prayer then, but I just remember asking God for some help, you know. Because then in that next year, my two sisters and myself, we all got divorced. Well, I didn't know about the curses. But the entire family, all four marriages in one year divorced, your entire family. And it was just, you know, it was beyond pain. You couldn't put words on it. <clears throat> and of course, mine married to Jamie's uh, biological father. It was really difficult because it was also public. And then he had a hit record. <laughs> it was a number one. No regrets. I don't want you back. And I took it all very personally. Because I'd just be out for a walk doing the shopping and 
pop into Topshop in Norwich, and my God, there it would be. And these shop assistants would say, oh, I love the Walker Brothers. And I'd think, oh, they're just a-holes, excuse me. But, you know, <laughs> I would. I'd be so angry and so furious and like, you don't know what you're talking about, and here's the sun. And, you know, when it comes to marriage... You can't afford to bring in your past baggage. You can't bring that in. Your fears, your insecurities. You just have to leave it all behind you and you have to start believing the best. Huh? And it's not even <clears throat> past marriages. That's the thing, again, we try to talk to people so much about, like in premarital counseling, the issue that I don't care who you are, if you're, in, if you're alive and breathing in this world, more than likely, you would have to be the most microscopic exception to the rule if you haven't had your heart broken or if you haven't had a felt betrayed. Because at some point, like I said, your heart, like when I, you know, you remember teaching the love walk, the whole thing is the human heart. To open your heart 100% to someone is the most, you know, before you know, put it this way, you know, the, before you have any idea of harm or, you know, I, when I talk about, I talk about like puppy love, that term when you're maybe very young and the very, very, very first time you quote unquote, whether you was real or not as an issue, you, you fell in love. Literally you fell, you know, like Daniel does every other week. You <laughs> fall in love. But the point is, you don't listen, but this is the thing that we try to teach. And again, you've got to, everybody has to catch this. See, when you're full of that much innocence, you don't know how not to give your entire heart. You're just because God's made us to open up and give because we're made in his likeness and image. He gives. That's who he is. And so you give, but because normally it's a worldly, even no matter, you can be 10 years old. This is why parents, you don't belittle your 10-year-olds when they're like even 9 and 10 and they come home crying because Sally said, I don't like you anymore, or Billy said, I don't like you anymore. Because that very, very first experience of betrayal hurts so much that what happens is, as it goes from another to another to another, you, you, you learn to never again open your heart 100%. You always, without knowing it, you hold back just this much, just in case I get hurt again, because you do not want to feel that kind of pain again. You know what I mean? So then you get introduced to Almighty God, and we are told He loves you. He'll never leave you. And it's hard for people to relate because I've been told I was loved before. So all we're trying to get at is, so regardless, everybody's heart has gone through some element of this. So this is why, again, there are triggers. When you've gone through relationships, you know, uh, Julie and I both come from a divorce situation way back when. And you don't know it. You'll hide little triggers. And like Julie will say something that means absolutely, she, she has no you know, other meaning to it at all. But in the back of Rod's soul, way back in the memory bank somewhere, there, sometimes there may be like this little memory of how another person once in my life, when she said things, meant this. 
And so it, it you know, she is, she doesn't mean it at all. But she'll say something, and if I don't, if I'm not careful, it will trigger something that has nothing to do with us. And again, we can go, but everybody has that. So just the point of triggers, that's just it. So when people have gone through pain, and there's nobody that hasn't gone through pain, this is why when you come together, this is why, again, the whole issue of covenant, like when I spoke with you guys and, and others, you know, you have to, uh, couples need to go through every gory, horrific little possible bit that there might be. Because when once you say yes and you get married and you come into a covenant with God, much less a covenant with each other about this, you know, you've made a decision. No matter what comes, we're together. And it's just that you have to ask yourself, okay, now who is triggering this? Is this you? Have you done something? Or is this just something from my past that I'm still I'm still trying to kill, but it's still there? Yeah. And just to jump on that, I think, you know, we all have blind spots. And I think oh, before... Yeah. If you're able to, if you, before you're able to have that conversation, you need to have kind of done the work on your own as well. When I say done the work, it's not a case of being incredibly, you know, navel gazing and kind of introspective and to the point where you don't emerge, but actually being aware and asking your friends, actually people that you trust, you yeah. know, what are my strengths? You know, what is it that you've seen in me that are, are some weaknesses that I need to manage? Because for the, I mean, I can tell you for the most part, the challenges that we've had or that I brought into the relationship, people have told me before. You know, it's not the first I've heard of it. Um, but I think if you're single, taking the time, and if, you know, if I could speak to my younger self, I'd say, you know, take the time to ask the people that you trust to, to say, well, actually, where am I at? You know, yeah. what, what is it that you find challenging? Because actually, friends might not want to share it, and friends might, might be waiting for an opportunity to say, actually, in grace, in love, but this is one thing that I find challenging in our friendship. Yeah. And if you don't allow, I think... To the extent that you allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, but also friends that you trust, to the extent that you allow them to speak into your life, is perhaps the extent that you can experience growth and change. Absolutely. And I think if you don't, then uh, all that happens is it just it becomes a protracted experience in marriage. What I mean by that is it just takes longer to, to climb, climb over those challenges. Um, and I think we, we're perhaps quite extreme the other way in that we're quite, we can be quite analytical in a sense of kind of when we were going out, we were sort of picking up things and really talking about it, really going quite We had deep. this whole library of dating books. It was just yeah, too much. We talk about all these dating books yeah, and things that we did. And we'd kind of really do a lot of pit stops, which, uh, which isn't always the most healthy thing. But I think we are quite self-aware. Um, and I think that's kind of a good point of departure when it comes to um, sort of growth, because marriage is about maturity, really, yeah. in the end. You know? An example, just an example of maybe bringing realizing where something's coming from is um the whole thing with the the house and the tidying and making sure everything was clean there were, i realized a good few years into being married that sometimes i was looking at our house and i was seeing it through my mum's eyes and i feel like god showed me that he's like i was hearing my mum's voice and i was just yeah. you know seeing this and that and just hearing what she would say and i was like actually i don't even want to be my mum so why am i even doing that and just really yeah. It was a key for me um, just to really just accept Kenny, be myself, accept my house, live in my, how do I want my house to be? What's the atmosphere? It's not about the stuff. It's about us. And so that really helped. And so allowing God to reveal even where some yeah. behaviors are coming from and yeah. then getting that healing is really good too. And I think my version of that was have, was feeling like I needed to overcompensate because I grew up without my dad being around. And so I felt like I had to really be the man, 
you know, I mean, what does it even mean to be the man? I mean, put, people put that out there. But I felt like I had to overcompensate and really be the man. So, you know, really show that I knew what I was doing. I was on it. Rather than being okay with saying, do you know what, babes? Yeah, I actually don't know about that. Or, you know, what, you know, what do you think? Um, and that was something which, which I think, there are still these power plays that we play, but I think there are less of them now. Yeah, well, like you said, it's, it's a growing. It's just you grow. You grow together, babe. I'm just sitting here listening to you, and I'm being reminded of the time I lived in California on my own <clears throat> and went through the issues of bringing up a little boy, you know, being a single parent, and wanting to get it right in Christ. And, you know, I went to a conference, and they said, oh, do you want to get married again? And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know, a bit double-minded, you know. And I thought, well, if it fit my life, you know. And then they said, well, if you want to be married again, you must make a list. I thought, well, I've never thought about doing that. So at some point I went home and I did, I made a list and it was, you know, born again, spirit filled. And then it was everything worldly, like the best, the top of everything the world could offer me, right? And then I asked Jamie, he was probably about three and a half, four-ish, four and a half. I said, hey, what do you... You know, what do you think if I ever got married again? Oh, he said, really? I said, yeah, what kind of a dad would you like? And he said, well, Kenneth Hagen's really nice. <laughs> I said, well, he's way too old. He said, oh, yeah. And he said, well, Kenneth Copeland's really good. And I said, no, he's married too. So I said, so you like people who are men of faith. But uh, we, we ended up meeting each other and I won't go into hundreds of details I could but we went to Paris after we'd known each other about a year and a half and we then were married probably six months or a year I don't know maybe it was two years after and we were walking down and it was supposedly romantic but it wasn't romantic because I had a list in my pocket of the things that he'd done wrong that were completely like can you imagine me doing things wrong no but anyway the Lord told me tear the list up and so we stood on this bridge and I had it all torn up in my pocket and I suddenly threw it in the water and uh, you know it was incredible this whole thing that I had with lists because I had a list before I met him which I found and I looked at it and I thought crikey he doesn't match this list at all apart from the fact he's born again and he's spirit filled you don't match my list I didn't sail you didn't play tennis. I didn't play you tennis. You didn't speak languages. I didn't speak different languages. You didn't languages. have millions. I didn't have you millions. You didn't dress right. I didn't you dress didn't right for right. sure. I didn't eat right for sure. I mean, the list went she, on. She tells a story about first time seeing me. She said I was walking down Finchley Road with Levi's that were two inches too short eating mm -hmm. a bounty bar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is true. I refused that no, to me. That's never Mars, happened. I think it was a Mars that bar. That never happened. Yeah. Now you all know, but That's anyway, when she fell madly many, in love with me. Too many stories going on, but basically, the Lord told me. I mean, the Holy Spirit just came down to me and said, "Burn your list." So I had to burn up my list of what I thought I wanted. Otherwise, she would have missed the greatest blessing in her life. Yeah, well, that, I would have done. And that, what's powerful what you just said, Rob, because I think we all have expectations going into marriage, yeah. and sometimes the most yeah. challenging thing can be when those expectations aren't being met. And I think what you just said about missing the blessing that God has for you in that marriage relationship, because um, if I'm just focused on my own expectations, then I'm not focused on saying, Lord, actually, what is it that you have for me in this yeah, relationship? You're very, you know? very right. Yeah. 
because the reality is some of the things like Julie, again, like you said about B, that the, the attributes that Julie carries are so light years bigger and stronger. <laughs> no, I mean, in areas where I'm weak, I mean, it's amazing, you know, so I have no problem whatsoever acknowledging the fact that she's anointed in areas that I don't, I just don't have it, but she's got it in that area. And I think we've just shared even in ministry before, that's a real lesson for married couples, particularly in ministry, is learning how to defer to one another's anointings. And even in marriage, without being in ministry, you can do that. In other words, you need to recognize where someone else is stronger than you are, like I think Kenny and B have already shared, and be okay with acknowledging that. It's, you know, it's, this, isn't, this isn't who gets there first. Like I said, it's getting somewhere together. That's the whole thing. So, I mean, Julie is so much wiser in areas than I am, but I'm wiser than her in many more areas. <laughs> right, baby? Anyway, a word fitly spoken in due season, how good it is, a wise answer turns away wrath. One thing you learn about marriage is you live it one day at a time. Yeah, yeah you do. And the worst things that can happen the day before... That you feel destroyed, you feel, my God, I'm heartbroken. You know, you get up in the morning and you say, the Lord's mercies are fresh this morning. I'm putting that behind me. It is yesterday. I'm going to move on. And that's the thing with marriage. You have to do that or you're just stuck. So, you know, you, you have to go, today's a new day, and just deal with that stuff because you just roll over and they're there. So you have to go, okay, let's talk it through. Let's deal with it. Okay, let's park it whatever you need to do, and let's continue living and building. Um, you have to, yeah. and Because the difference, when you're single, you don't have, you're not necessarily placed, you're not pl- you don't have a mirror facing you everywhere you go for the most part. Whereas when, unless you want it, yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, not a physical mirror, basically. No, I mean, like, unless you want to do that to yourself. Yeah. Um, but when you're married, you have someone who can constantly kind of reflect how you, how you are, who you are. And as soon as you wake up in the morning, you've got ample opportunity for, you know, dissent, disagreement, and, and kind of watching that. And this is why what I've learned is such a simple thing. But forgiveness, we, I thought I knew what forgiveness was. I really thought I did. And you think, you know, what forgiveness is when the guy, the dude asked Christ, how many times should I forgive? You know, and Christ says, was it 70 times, 70 or whatnot? Um, and you think you know what forgiveness is. But once you've walked through a life of however short it's been with us, where hundred times in a day and you still it's the Lord's like yes you need to let it go yes you need to forgive you need to give up your right to be annoyed um, and say actually I'm going to forgive You're, you are better at that than me like you do I'll, drop I'll it quicker than me it takes me a little while but I get there but yeah. I remember that thing we teach when you teach about the difference between men and women when they get angry when it's a psychologically proven fact, they have a scale. When a man, here's a man going on, a, mm, when a man gets angry, he goes, mm, he gets angry. But then as soon as he gets angry, he goes, mm, mm, and he's done. It's over with. The incident's over. A woman, technically, because of what, no, seriously, it's real. A woman, instead of going, mm, 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 a woman is a slow build until finally she's, but then she's all the way, it's like four weeks later. And a guy has 100% literally forgotten. Stone cold, it's what? And four weeks later, they'll look at you and they'll go, you know what you did. And a guy honestly goes, what? Because <laughs> you actually, it's done. It was done with you a long time ago. But that's actually more than being humorous. It's literally a proven psychological difference between men and women. 
So, see, a woman has to understand a man, when it's over with, it's over with. It's done. But women, well, listen, I'm going to tell the, man, the woman's side in a moment. But women, you know, will get really, really bugged about that. Because to them, bless God, it's still an issue. <laughs> it's still ongoing. And understand, this is not finished yet. I will have my you pint of blood. see what I live with? <laughs> grace, 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 <laughs> no, grace, No, I'm grace. saying. But a man on the same thing. A man doesn't understand again. It's the old stuff being with, taught by Ed Cole, you know, about <clears throat> the issue is that the man, the whole issue of like real headship, is that ultimately it's the man's responsibility. So a man has to first and all, he needs to understand that and somehow remain sensitive to that issue. And I tell you, and this is why women, you have to give men a break because it's difficult for us because as we say, literally, it's not a joke. They've proven it scientifically, remember. Our brains don't function the same way. I mean, we could go through the details again, but they literally don't. So when a man says, I don't understand her, he's telling the truth. When a woman says, I don't understand how you think, she's telling the truth. So, and then a woman, though, has to, at some point, this is what I mean, it's always give and take. A woman has to understand that, you know, I, how can you just not care? You know, they'll say it like that, but they don't understand. We cared, but we're done. <laughs> and it's just something that's difficult. And forever you go with And this is where, again, the teaching that we did, and anybody that we've ever counseled, you'll remember me saying this and even sharing it in church again. Again, things that we, Julie and I, learned with being with Dr. Coe about this issue of ego and emotions. Women are a different animal. They are motivated by their emotions. So a man has to learn how to minister to their wife's emotions. I'm not very good at it, am I, honey? A man is motivated by their ego. I saw that. A man is motivated by their ego. God's ordained that a man be motivated by their ego because men are supposed generically, uh, intrinsically, any other word you want to use, we're, we're made to lead. God wants us to lead. And let me tell you, any real woman wants a man who can lead. They don't want some limp-wristed sissy. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. They don't want that. They want a man that can lead, not over, not domineer, but lead. Do you know what I mean? Right, Jeff? Hallelujah. <laughs> Football, rugby, yes. <laughs> But the thing is, so it's, and it's difficult for a guy. A guy is not motivated by their emotions. We see it, we want it. We're hunters. <laughs> it's like a guy going in the store. If I want something in the store, I go to the store, I go to what I want, I take it, I'm done, I'm, done, I'm home. A woman goes to the store, they'll walk up and down every jive aisle, even though all they want is a can of beans. They'll walk up and down 37 aisles. You know what I mean? And that's just, we're different. That doesn't make one right. That doesn't make one wrong. So a woman, a man has to learn how to minister to woman's emotions. And this is why at least once every two months, I open the door for my wife. You know, stuff like that. Right, baby? I'm, I'm listening to this shopping thing. No, no, I'm just listening to the shopping thing. Because if we go shopping together, I have three things to get and I'm out. But you're the one that looks. <laughs> so I'm like... <laughs> Ain't the Let's truth. Let's tell it all. It is. Ain't the truth. A man has to learn and minister. But this is the thing Ed used to say. And I remember sitting in men's meetings. He used to scare me when he said this. He said a man has to learn how to minister to a woman's emotions. 
A woman has to learn how to minister to a man's ego. That's why I can be like go through a horrific day. We joke a lot, but we, I can go through a rotten day, get 14 emails about how I'm the worst dog in the earth. I'm a heretic. You know, I'm no good. And Julie will just come up and put her hand on me and say, Rod, you're the best. And, you know, I mean, from her, that just annihilates anything else. And I go, and I'm good. I'm good. You know what I mean? But this is why, again, husbands and wives and those, this is why you have to be really aware of whom you choose as the life mate. Nobody can hurt me like Julie. But nobody can hurt Julie like me. Because, again, we're called to take care of each other. But nevertheless, I'm called to minister. Men are called to minister to women's emotions. Women are called to minister to a man's ego. And what Doc used to say all the time, freaked us out. He said, guys, let me tell you. Nature abhors a vacuum. If you don't learn how to minister to that woman's emotions, another man will. And you know what, ladies? If you don't learn how to minister to that man's ego, another woman will. You hear me? You say, not of us, we're too holy. Right, Denise? Right, David? Hallelujah. Amen. They're perfect marriage already. But I mean, that's true, isn't it? And this is why, again, you have to be very honest with one another. And it's, this is something, though, you learn forever. And the fact of the matter is none of us are going to be perfect at this. We're going to make mistakes. What's been, what's been one of the silliest arguments you've ever had over the most microscopic issue? And can you remember anything? We've had quite so many. Silly, just very silly. And, you know, when you look back on it and you think, oh, my gosh, did we spend two hours arguing over this one little thing? And we just pray for the day when we're, you know, like many people here who are just, you know, seasoned in, in marriage. We pray for the day where we can just kind of get, you get into an argument, you catch yourself quickly and you move on and you just see it. But sometimes we see it and we think we're about to move on and we just get drawn into it and we're like, here we go again. Uh, but I think, I mean, I can't remember some of the specific things, but I do remember one of the, like the kind of fallout of an argument we had, which to this day, I rue and I'm really, I'm frustrated that we had it because of what happened. So... Uh, my, brother, my brother's a guitarist, and he um, had a guitar that he played with, with Amy Winehouse with. And he toured with her on this guitar. He was just, this was a guitar that, you know, and Amy Winehouse being, obviously she's passed. So it's a guitar that just has a lot of it's sentimental value. And it's a good guitar. So anyway, we had this argument, and, and as Rod has shared many times, we'd have arguments, and I'd go in the car, I'd sit at the wheel, and you wouldn't go anywhere, but you just, put, she doesn't know where you are, so she thinks I'm driving around. I'd just sit down at the wheel and just kind of, kind of dial down a bit and then come in the house and just you know do your thing but this, at this point in time i didn't leave the house and i was so I was steam coming out my ears probably and i picked up this guitar it's amazing and some of you think kenny would never do this but hey uh confession um and i picked up this guitar and i threw it on the floor you didn't it. You I, smashed I smashed it, it on the floor I picked use your use your microphone <laughs> Smashed it. So, I, so it was side of the sofa. I picked it up and I smashed it on the floor. And to this day, I mean, and that's an example of why, you know, I mean, the scriptures talk about fleeing um, strife and staying away from strife and staying clear from strife. Because actually, um, you know, conversations and, and debates and conflicts that are dealt graciously will never end in something like that happening. So this guitar was such a precious guitar. And uh, if there, there's one thing that I could just say I wish I didn't do was uh, well we got into the argument and then I broke it and so now uh, I think maybe Wynas was still alive then but then now she should pass away 
And I thought, oh my gosh, I could have had that guitar still. Um, could have made money off of it. I could have made some money out of it. And now, no doubt, there are more reasons for why we, you know, we want to steer clear from strife in a, in a, sure. in a marriage. But it's just what strife can do and what it can lead mm-hmm. to. And when you look back on it, you just think, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and the scriptures are all there about the tongue and about um, being able to just control the tongue. And it's just that one little thing. And if you just, if you, it's part of a training and developing, developing a marriage in being able to just not say anything. You know, yeah. being a man a few words or being a woman a few words to avert those kinds mm-hmm. of things. I think it's difficult for us because our arguments are rarely about anything major. We really do bicker about silly things less so now in the uh, like those first two years yeah. whoa there um but they're just about silly things and that was probably about something really silly that goes on and on and on it just got bigger and bigger and then one tries to stop and then you just yeah. and then you just can't and then that other one just says that little thing it's like what and then and then the other one tries to, okay let's just leave it and then the other person just you just hear them saying something in the kitchen and you're like <laughs> Just come, just come and say. Why are you just talking in the kitchen if you want something to say? And <laughs> that's not me, clearly. <laughs> and then it just, it just used to roll on and on and on. So we just, we just really have had to. And then, been, and then, and then, then you try and slam the door, but the door something gets stuck and it doesn't slam properly, and it's just. And then you just left a bit embarrassed because you just closed the door normally. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> But one, one thing that we, we found, which was, has been quite helpful, is, I mean, on a pre-marriage course we went to with HCB, they talked about, you know, having a kind of different kind of signals you might give each other to, to kind of warning signals to say, maybe this is a time to stop or stopping at a certain time. One thing I found that's been helpful is knowing that when there's a conflict, often there's a difference between um, a disagreement about things and a disagreement about words. And often I've found that we've disagreed about words, about the language of something. We've not really disagreed on the nature of something. And when you, when you can take time to kind of look at what each person is safeguarding in that conversation. So we get a disagreement and we're just using different words. And we end up having a disagreement about the words as opposed to pausing and thinking, actually, are we on the same side here? And invariably you're on the same side, but you have a disagreement on how you get there or how you describe it. And that has been quite helpful for me to be able to kind of pause and think, actually, Bianca is saying the same thing as me. I'm just being, you know, picky about how she's saying it. Yeah, I think um, early on God gave me this picture of a house. We were after some arguments or whatever. He gave me this picture of a house and Kenny's on one side and I'm on the other. And we're describing the same house, but it's different sides of it. So it looks different, but it's the same thing. So so we just had to come round to the other person's side of the house and go, oh, okay, you're, you're looking at the house. That, that helped us um, a bit as well. Yeah. Oh, you guys are adorable. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like sitting here having a confessional, and I know there's many of you out there who are single. How many of you would like to be married who are single? I would. <laughs> <laughs> well, we call in those perfect... Opposites. And all you have to do every day is make yourself ready. Is put yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, make me ready. And then know that when you get there, you probably aren't ready. Yeah, It's funny because you said to raise your hands. I was watching Angela and I said, aren't you going to raise your hand? And she says, I've got tea in my hand. <laughs> That's really a bad excuse. Well, we're going to bring it to a close here in this one. Let me ask you this. What is something that you guys... 
Have you found the ability to make time to do something fun, to keep doing something fun with each other? Mm. You know, in other words, have you, do you still, are you, even though you've got two children, a brand new baby, are you still able to like have a date night or do something or try to, trust me, we know how difficult it is, but I mean, what, what do you like to do that's just fun that you can just kick out, check out and just be yourselves? I mean, we like watching films. We're big movie buffs, but we now we. But I used to be the one falling asleep, but we just both fall asleep through every film. Literally, I can see Kenny nodding. I'm like, my gosh, I just put it on. So, yeah, we just we're in those what they call the messy years, where it's just sleep deprivation and nappies and all that. So we 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 try. We're trying now. We are, you know, accepting the help of those amazing people around us that we'll look after Ava for a bit if you guys want to go for lunch and where we know that we need it because when we don't all we're talking about is functional things house and finances and blah blah so just to go and like last weekend my uncle looked after Ava and we went for lunch and that was it and then we came back and picked her up and it was great just to spend time together and it's vital isn't it yeah it's so important because you just you forget the why why are we doing this again what why you know yeah and i think um yeah it is really challenging we we, when we were in the early days of our marriage we we wanted to have you know a god date night date night of god date night of each other um or at least making time and actually our two kind of goals if you like or overarching themes for the rest of the year is discipline and making space for god being disciplined just generally and making space for god and i think um I just wanted to say this. I think the challenge is when you're, obviously when you're single, it's, it's your space, it's you, yourself, and you. You know, it's just your own space, your own time. And as, obviously as you come into that place of commitment, um, you're then sacrificing your own space. You're sacrificing your own time. And when you have children then, you're sacrificing that even more. And I think that um, one thing that has been challenging for me is um, is that thing of independence and wanting that independence, and it becomes this kind of a bit of a battle sometimes between, you know, when we finish with the kids, so we've not finished with the kids, but we put them to sleep. Often we just might go and kind of disperse and do our own thing, and we're trying to avoid that a bit and try and be a bit more disciplined. But I would say to people that are independent, in, in, uh, single, sorry, single, independent ladies, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, people that are single, you know, enjoy, enjoy and make the most of being single, you know, make the most, <laughs> but you know, in, enjoy the freedom, enjoy the liberty, enjoy the ability to go out and catch a movie at 11 at night if you want, you know. Um, I mean, I, and obviously, you know, there's only so much, you know, you can enjoy it because when we were on the other side, we enjoyed it and then still thought, oh, we just can't wait to uh, marry. So I know it's kind of, the grass is always greener, but, uh, but certainly enjoy that because I think, as now we've come together, we're now looking back thinking, oh my gosh, if only we'd enjoyed even more that time being single. So we are learning. We are definitely learning because you're right, Rod, um, learning to do life together and enjoy each other uh, because marriage can, if you're not careful, end up being quite functional and quite, you're doing this, you're doing that. And just everything being business, you know? Um, and I think you're absolutely right. And so we've, We've got on, on Google Calendar and kind of started to actually put dates in. Because yeah. if you don't diarize it, it won't necessarily happen. So yeah, we put the true. dates in and say, uh, Karen has been great um, and, and the family just kind of helping out. And, and Bobby's been absolutely amazing. And others here, Mercy and, and other people have just chipped in different ways. 
just sort of coming in and taking the kids so that we can kind of say, hello, who are you? You know, you know how are you feeling? Sort of oh, thing. really? And I, it's, I want you to answer this question, but you've heard me speak and teach on it as well. But um, I'm all for romance, all right? Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm, I'm, I'm romantic. <laughs> I'm romantic, baby. <laughs> be careful who you turn to. I just realized that could cause a lot of trouble. Let's let's roll the tape back. Let's roll the tape back. But um, yes, you got to keep the fires burning, and uh, yeah. You think you're romantically. Julia, tell you, don't ask Julie if I'm romantic anymore. Just please don't. What does romance mean? It's well, that's, no, this is what I'm trying what to get at. Is this. We're gonna fit. Do we but have it now? What I'm trying to get at is the serious issue of how when people are single so often, again, you know, the, the, the courtship, the, the excitement of the courtship, you think is going to continue. I mean, you don't. You might not say that. You you you'd say to yourself, "Oh, I'm more wise than that. I know that." You know, once we get married, I'll be nice. And but the excitement of the courtship is very, very, very powerful, to say the least. The the excitement. Let's be candid. You know, we're adults. The excitement of the in Christ. I mean, like that. Those first moments of intimacy that we share physically. All of that. But it's so. In, uh, incredibly important that you learn how to be friends, what I'm trying to say, and understand that just because somebody isn't smothering you with kisses, it doesn't mean that you're not in love, doesn't mean that you're not, uh, you know, you don't desire to be close and be intimate. I'm just saying you have to find that other, uh, and what we're trying, it's just a statement again, is that everybody's heard it, but it's so vital, it's really vital. It is friendship that keeps you together. Yeah. It isn't romance. And you really think about the Bible, when you really look at the Bible and you see about these planned marriages, there were planned marriages. It was God's idea, planned marriages, because the love he spoke about is a love that grows with time. There's a whole other level. There's a whole other love right now. And, and you laugh at me, I know, because I make the jokes all the time. But Julie and I, we have a respect and an admiration. At least I, ha- I can only speak for me. My wife, I put her through you? a lot of trouble. But we have an That's admiration and even an adoration for one another that, quite frankly, has so gone past just, as this is, again, the world tells you that romance, romance, romance is the big deal. But I'm telling you, it's the devotion. When you begin to recognize, I'm devoted to her. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I honor her. I love her. Uh, it's, it's not about the romance. Yes, thank God, there's still romance. But do you hear what I'm trying to say? But it's the fact that I've found really my soulmate. You know, I, I can't imagine ever not turning over and looking at her face. I can't imagine that because that's something that's so much more powerful to me than just this thing about people thinking that every five minutes we're going to be throwing each other on the bed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, right? Right, Kenny? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, mean, um, <laughs> I just want to say... <laughs> I, I think that um, one of the things I was thinking about with this is that um, 
that what we experienced being married, the love that we experienced being married is not the love that I thought um, I'd experienced. In the sense that the feeling is a big part of wanting to get married and, and doing something with that feeling. Um, and as much as it's important that you're attracted to your spouse, and I'm extremely attracted yeah. to Bianca, that as much as that she is my lover and she is my friend and all of that, yeah. um, still I'm realizing that love is it's beyond the feelings. It's and so I know it sounds much, so, so cliched. More. No, it is. But you know, it feels good in an argument to walk away when you don't get your way. You know, but actually, we know that we'd never grow if we just continue to do that. And I'm only just now realizing what it means to walk in love, but beyond the feeling stage, beyond the emotion stage, yeah. but still speaking to it and still being attracted to each other at that level, but not um, allowing that to define us, but, but, but knowing what it means to really, I mean, you teach about it, but really walking in love. And that, that, comes, that comes alive when um, I don't feel like doing something, but I do it because I love her. And that is a whole different thing. Like, and you don't feel like you're being hard done by you. Just you yeah. enjoyed it. It's, ultimately, you get. I enjoy doing this. It's okay. Yeah, you know, we've been up at the barn. We've been teaching on love and faith and hope. And you know, love is a feeling. It is a feeling. It's something you encounter. But having said that, when you get married, it's a feeling you've never really experienced before, where you go much deeper in serving the other person. But I just feel that we should, as, as we finish, that the Holy Spirit would have us, have you pray if you're married for a freshness to come upon your marriage. And if you're single, for a fresh grace to come upon you for where you are. Because really, like Graham says something, Graham Cook says something at Chosen. He said, you know, we have days of grace. We have grace to endure Hey? And we have grace to enjoy. And it's very silly not to enjoy where you're at right now because God knows where you're at and he knows how you got there. He knows how to get you out if you need some getting out. So you might as well enjoy the rest of today, wherever you're at. So let's just pray. In the name of Jesus, Father, we just pray wherever we're at, whether we're married, whether we're single, there's grace. And we speak grace over our lives, over our circumstances, over our day. We laugh and rejoice with you at the silly things that do offend us, but many times you do offend our minds to get to our heart so that we would be more like you. And I thank you and praise you for every marriage yeah, and every single life, for a new beginning. We're in that place where we're Jesus. pressing in for a new beginning. Amen? In Amen. Jesus' name. We're just going to press in. We're just going to go after it. Let's give the Lord a hand and let's congratulate. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Bianca. Very much appreciate it. Hallelujah. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.